Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. This is Doug Cunnington. And in this interview, I talked to Spencer Hawes from Niche Pursuits. This was a super fun interview for me to do. I've been following Spencer since the very beginning of my online journey back in 2013. In fact, I remember listening to the Smart Passive Income episode that uh, Pat Flynn had Spencer on to talk about Amazon affiliate marketing. And you may realize at this point that uh, the name of my blog, Niche Site Project, is uh, from Spencer. So that's great. Uh, Spencer has Niche Site Project 4 that's going on now. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this, it may be like further along. But that's one of the things we talk about, Niche Site Project 4. We also talk about the fact that uh, Spencer is not going to do courses anymore, and he explains exactly why. He has some other projects going on as well, like Link Whisper, great piece of software, by the way, and Motion Invest. So if you don't know Spencer, do check out his stuff over on Niche Pursuits. And at the end, I answer a few questions about the keyword golden ratio. So if you're unfamiliar with that, um, you're in for a treat. I'm not going to go on forever here, so I'm going to send it over to the interview with Spencer. Hey, what's going on? It's Doug Cunnington here from Niche Site Project and The Doug Show. And this is a great honor for me. I'm talking to Spencer Haas from Niche Pursuits. How are you doing today? Doug, I am doing great. It's great to be on your show. Thank you. And I'll, uh, I won't get too gushy, but you helped me get my start. And I obviously took the name of my blog from one of the projects that you were working on, Niche Site Project. So I thank you for that very much. You're welcome. It's a good name. And yeah, so I'm pumped to have you on, on my show now. And we're going to talk about a lot of the stuff that you have worked on, a couple of more current things. And for the people that don't know you, can you give a little bit of an intro? Like, what do you do right now? And a little on your background. Sure. Yeah. Um, The uh, very quick background, um, I came from the corporate world working in finance uh, as a banker there and um, discovered that I didn't enjoy that a lot. So was looking for ways to supplement my income and um, stumbled uh, through, this is over a long period of time, but stumbled on to building websites, SEO, and building, um, I, I learned that building very small niche websites for me at the time um, that could rank quickly in Google for easy to rank for keywords was the way to go for me. And um, so over a period of a couple of years, I, I built a bunch of these websites. They earned enough money for me to help me quit my job. I was making more from these little niche websites uh, than I was from my day job. And this is back in 2011 is when I officially quit my day job. Uh, thanks, you know, all my income was essentially Google AdSense um, at the time. And uh, then, you know, I, I've gone from there. But uh, that that's my background. So SEO, building lots of uh, little websites, have, have a lot of background in keyword research. Uh, when I quit my job, I started nichepursuits.com, which is where I still blog today about building websites, SEO, anything related to online marketing. Uh, then I also, about the same time in 2011, end of t- 2010, uh, created Longtail Pro, which is a keyword research tool software company that I grew, um, became you know a significant business for me. Um, I sold that in 2016. 
So almost about three years ago, um, right now, sold that business, which is a great exit. Um, it was a lot of money. Um, so so that was that was a big sort of business checkpoint for me there. Uh, but now I do continue to build some websites. Um, we can talk about Niche Site Project 4, where I built a, a site publicly for everybody on nichepursuits.com that they can check out. Um, and then, of course, blogging and continuing to grow Niche Pursuits. Um, I now have a WordPress plugin called Link Whisper. Um, it's, we'll, we can talk about that as well. Um, and then um, just launched something called Motion Invest, which is a sort of unique way for people to buy and sell smaller content websites. So I think that pretty much covers everything that I'm kind of doing right now. So a little bit of software, a little bit of building content sites, other things. But uh, yeah, just really enjoying being able to work uh, from home, which is where I'm at, my home office here. And um you know, enjoying spending extra time with my wife and kids uh, when I have a chance to. Awesome. And I was going to ask, um, so you're doing all that stuff, which sounds a little overwhelming, but you find a way to do it. And you have, yeah. you know, I mean, you're a family man, right? So you, you have a lot of other responsibilities. And I think it's probably um, the only way that <laughs> this job that you've created for yourself is the only way that you would be able to spend this much time with your family. So I guess how important is that to you like right now? And did you know how important it was going to be like when you first, you know, left your full-time job? Yeah, it's, it's hugely important. Um, family's always been important to me. You know, when I quit my job, we had, um, I think we just had our third child. We now have four. So I am, I'm a family man, married, four kids. Um, I love being able to, um, either drop my kids off at school in the morning. I'm there when they get home. Um, you know, I'm coaching my son's baseball team right now. And so I'm able to, you know, make, make that time work. Um, very flexible schedule. If I want to go out to lunch with my wife, which we do every now and again, of course, um, I can do that. I can take an extended lunch. Um, so it's, it's extremely important to me. And um, just the flexibility of schedule and having that that freedom to work when I want, I don't think I could go back to a corporate job, even if I was making the same or more money than I am right now. The freedom is it's hard to put a price on. Big time, absolutely. Very cool. So let's let's take one of the projects that you're working on. So niche site project four. And for the people that are unaware, I, I'll link up all the um, like podcast episodes and blog posts so people can follow along. It just uh, had its birthday of one year. So can you sort of take us through the like overall project and like where it's at right now? Yeah. So obviously by the name, this is the fourth time that I've done this um, on nichepursuits.com. I like to share what's working for me and the best way to do that I found is to do what I call a public project uh, where I basically start from the very beginning and say, okay, I'm going to be building a niche site. I'm going to be sharing everything publicly that goes for you know researching what niche I'm going into, keyword research, how I'm building the website, what plugins I'm using, how I'm doing the content, um, you know, link building, everything. And so that's what I've done with this uh, niche site project four. I started in September of last year, 2018. 
And um, yeah, I'll let people read all the details, but essentially, yeah, I started then, um, found my niche, uh, and um, I'm essentially outsourcing everything because I'm so busy. Um, and I've been very clear that if people want to build a site cheaper than I'm building, if they're able to write the content themselves, it's not going to cost as much money. But I've hired writers. I've you know outsourced really everything on the project. I am just the mastermind behind it, doing the keyword research. And once I get the plan in place, I've I've got people sort of uh, fulfilling that. And so, um, you know, I built it, and it took almost well. I, I made some commissions, and I think December was the first time I actually had earnings. So September, October, November, almost four months old. Um, and then when it hit just a little over six months, six to seven months old, it started earning and growing much more consistently. Um, I should probably pull up my numbers, but it was something like, you know, $150 in, you know, after it was six months and then it's grown consistently um, and peaked at about a month ago at, at th- just over $1,300 in um, August of uh, 2019, about $1,300, had a small dip to like $1,100 in September. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, you know, partially seasonal, partially for other reasons that I gave. But the site's doing really well. It's grown. I expect it to grow uh, significantly in the next six to 12 months. Um, and I've, yeah, I've laid it all out publicly. And since it is public, I've revealed the domain at this point. It's ownthyyard.com where I cover basically everything that's happening in people's backyards. Um, it could be backyard gardening, backyard games, backyard gear. Um, and so that's kind of the niche that I'm in and, and the site if people want to check it out. Cool. And I think, um, well, one of your first public case studies is one that I followed and I learned a ton. So highly encourage people to definitely check it out. I get questions all the time, like what should a site look like? what should I do for a particular review and so on? Like what should a table look like? All those details, like you can go dig in and follow like what Spencer's done from the very beginning. So everyone check that out. And and by the way, there are spreadsheets. I was just studying before we started the call. So like every month it's broken down, like um, what, what the income's from, where the expenses are going each month. So you could track it along the way. And right now, um, are you ROI positive or are you still catching up right now? So still catching up right now. Yep. Because I've outsourced everything. Um, you know, I've invested um, several thousand, between 15 and $20,000, you know, in, in the year. Um, the site has like 180 articles. That's where the bulk of the investment has come from is all the writers uh, there. So I've spent more than I've earned at this point. Um, but, uh, I, I, I'm catching up. And if I were to stop investing so heavily, you know, instead of doing 15 to 20 articles every month, if I just scaled that back to three or four, um, I would be, you know, making up like a thousand dollars every month pretty quickly. Yeah, definitely. Um, So, and I think it's key. I'm doing a a similar case study, except I bought an existing site that was already six months old. So like the growth maybe is a little bit quicker, but yeah, I have this, you know, with the audience, there's the same sort of objections. If we don't have $15,000, like what can we do? And, And you can, there's a variety of things and you've covered that in other like case studies and examples. So, I mean, right. uh, people shouldn't think that it costs, that it has to cost that much. You could definitely DIY a ton of it. So, 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, that That's a great point. Some people, if they have less money and more time, that's where they should focus is, is spending the time and writing the content. Um, and, you know, it, it's also an interesting case study, I think, for people because it helps them understand how long this can take. I think a lot of people read success stories. Oh, I've got a site making $5,000 a month. And that's true. Uh, but they don't always see that, well, that took two to three years of really hard work to get there. And yeah, it's nice to have that passive income of 5000 or $10,000 a month, but you do have to put the work in. And so I, I'm trying to show that, that even after a year of a lot of work, I, I'm only making $1,000 a month. Maybe, maybe that's really good. Some people are saying, wow, you're making 1000 You know, I'm, it's not, you know, quit your job type money yet. Um, but in a couple of years, I, I hope to 10 X, you know, where it's at right now. Um, and I think that's feasible. And it's, I mean, it's a good point. Everyone's coming from a different spot and I, I don't know if you can remember this, but maybe, maybe you blogged about it, but do you remember like the first dollar or so that you made? And like, do you remember the site? Can you talk about it? Is it still around that kind of stuff? Um, I, the site is not around, uh, anymore, but I do remember it for sure. I had started a blog. My very first site is I started a, a finance blog cause my background is in finance. And so I had started a little blog. I just didn't understand, um, you know, competition levels. And so I got very little to no traffic, right? It, I was talking about credit cards and getting out of debt, like the most competitive thing on the planet almost. Right. Um, but I do remember some of the first like AdSense clicks that I got and just how validating that was to see like, whoa, this is really possible. Uh, because for a long time, you might read about other people that are making money. Uh, but until you see that first dollar come in, then it, it clicks and you go, okay, this is a real way to make money. You can do this. And so I remember that still vividly. Um, and, and yeah, that sort of changed everything. Yeah. Same for me. It was like, ex actually exactly what you said, AdSense. I didn't know what I was doing, but I think it was like 37 cents or something. And I showed my <laughs> wife, I was like, this, this is the start of something. Of course, I spent thousands of dollars later on stuff before I actually turned it around. But, um, yeah, it's pretty yep. cool. Like the mindset totally shifts. It so, does. Um, one thing before we shift, because, you know, obviously you've had some success uh, to be <laughs> to understate it quite a bit. You've had some success. But like, have you had any issues? You know, I, I found this to be a roller coaster ride where, um, you know, things grew really fast. I thought I was going to quit my job. And then um, in my case, I got a Google penalty. You know, it was uh, rough. And I was like, ah. I don't know if I can do this. So do you have any like mistake stories that are interesting? I've got a lot, probably more than I'd like to share. Um, yeah. Like with the successes comes the, the failures um, as well. So I, I've blogged um, <clears throat> publicly about a few of these. Um, you know, I, I quit my job. I was making over $10,000 a month from my AdSense uh, websites, things were going along great. And then Panda and Penguin came along, um, you know, 2012, like a year after I quit my job. And those were devastating, not to just other people, but to my sites as well. Um, so 
a lot of my sites overnight traffic was cut in half or worse. Um, and, uh, so that, yeah, I, I went through that. And if people aren't familiar with Panda and Penguin, they were Google algorithm updates that, that decimated a lot of sites, um, including a lot of mine. And so I, I wrote about those and, and that, so that goes way back, but I, um, not only that, but I had my Google AdSense account shut down, uh, at some point, I don't remember, you know, the years, uh, it's getting a little hazy now, but you know, 2013, I don't remember. Uh, but that to, to, you know, I had, um, I want to say like close to $10,000 ready to be paid out to me and the account shut down. And when you go to log in, it doesn't give you any reason. It just, it's like two sentences that says this Google AdSense account is shut down. And that's like it. Um, you don't get paid out. You uh, have no recourse. There's nobody to contact at Google AdSense. Um, so all of this happened to me. So I've had lots of de devastating things um, happen to me. Uh, just sort of a follow-up uh, to this story. Recently, um, you may have heard about the um, the, um, the the lawsuit, the class action lawsuit against Google AdSense. Uh, because of that very specific reason that I just mentioned, they closed lots of accounts and gave no recourse. Um, there was a class action lawsuit that just uh, finished this year um, against Google. And so I did get a small Google AdSense check or a class action lawsuit um, check uh, for that. I mean, it was peanuts compared to what I should have actually got paid out. It was, I don't remember, a few hundred dollars. So I got that. Um, this year, which is kind of funny, like six years later, you know, Google doesn't say they're sorry, but I, you know, I get a couple hundred bucks. So good grief. Yeah. And, and again, I just wanted to emphasize that, uh, I think you alluded to it before, like we hit the, uh, I mean, we're marketers, right? Like we're trying to share exciting stories. We have some nice headlines that if you don't dig in and you don't understand that it was like a couple years and maybe a couple uh, dips before people figure things out. Usually those are when we learn the most and sort of like have to deal with the adversity. Um, do you, do you have any tips for people that are like experiencing uh, perhaps an algorithm update and their traffic has dropped by 30%? Like any specific tips or just a mindset sort of way that you approach it? Yeah, maybe, maybe two things. One is, is definitely mindset that at least I found this. And so I can share that business has always been very much a roller coaster. And so, you know, a lot of times we hit those highs and we celebrate, but there are lows like that. Either it's a penalty or just business isn't going well. And that certainly happens even to me, um, still to this day. And I just need to remember that it's not the end of the world, that um, if I look over my history, I can see that it's always been these ups and downs. And if I sort of average that out, life is still very, very good. Um, and so there is part of that as a mindset that um, it's OK to have those downs as long as you're willing to maybe adapt and change. Don't put your business plan in stone um, because we we work online and online businesses change quickly. And so you need to be willing to adapt and change. So that's one. The other one that's gotten me through a lot is diversification of my business, uh, to be honest. And so when my Google AdSense account got shut down, 
Thankfully, some of my income was Amazon Associates. Uh, thankfully, I had long tail pro and niche pursuits and other things going on that were making me enough money that I didn't have to go back and work at a corporate job. So I look back on that. If I hadn't started a software business or done some of these other things, I probably would have had to go back um, to, to my full-time job. Um, and so that, w- that would be my tip is to, to maybe diversify and don't always put all your eggs in one basket. Perfect segue. I could tell that you're a podcaster. So Link Whisper. I recently picked it up. Um, actually, it's the weekend that you released it or whatever week that I could get my hands on it. I bought it. Um, you didn't give me a free copy or anything. I want to make sure everybody knows that. Um, I really like the tool. I've seen epic results. I haven't shared it with awesome. you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be doing a blog post. I'll give you a heads up on what's going on. Um, but yeah, really good results. Can you let people know like what the idea of the tool is and the problem that you have solved with Link Whisper? Yeah, thanks for uh, picking it up. I'm looking forward to seeing your results. I'd love to, love to hear those um, as well. So um, you and I, we've built lots of sites. And one thing that we know is really important is on-page optimization and part of that is building internal links. Um, links are important. Google has made that very clear. And internal links still count as a link in Google's eyes. You can pass link juice from one of your pages to another page on your site. And so we know this is important. Uh, the problem is, is that it's quite a chore or we're forgetful. Um, I know for me and talking to other people, I know they're the same way. You get really excited. You find the keyword, you get that content published and, uh, you hope it ranks, right? Um, but you don't always think about, well, I should build some links from my own articles to that page. And if you do, I applaud you. That's what you should be doing. Um, and even if you know you should do that, it's still a chore, right? It, it takes time to go and find, okay, what are the related articles? Now I need to go into each individual article and edit that and add that internal link. It's time consuming. So I built Link Whisper to answer this problem. Uh, Link Whisper is a WordPress plugin that um, really does three things. When you're writing an article in the WordPress editor, right below that, as you're adding content, it will suggest internal links for you. It's smart enough to read your content and say, we found, you know, here's a sentence and you're mentioning this phrase. Uh, it's related to this other page on your website. And so it might have 10 or 20 suggested links. All you have to do is go through, check, here's three, four, five links that I want, hit update, and those links are added automatically. It's a huge time saver uh, for people, you know, writing content, whether it's you or your authors. The other thing that it does is that scenario that I just mentioned. After you publish an article, you should build internal links to that page. And so you can go into Link Whisper and pick the article that you want to build a link to, and it will then suggest, you know, 10, 20 links. You select the ones that you want, and it's done. Again, huge time saver, and it can be hugely beneficial. 
the final thing is just overall reporting for your site. Um, it reports how many internal links each page has, how many external links it has, and overall gives you, you know, a big picture of um, how many links, whether internal, external, uh, that each individual page has. And so you can quickly sort and find those orphaned pages that have zero internal links or one or two and help you improve the site structure, um, you know, using Link Whisper. So that's what it does in a nutshell. It meets a huge need. I know for me and um, it sounds like for you and for a lot of other people building websites. Yep, definitely. In the... Of the three things that you mentioned, the step two is like the huge, the huge one. Cause it's, it's fairly straightforward. Like if you publish a new article, you can link, you know, in our brains, we know other stuff that we can link to and we do it in right. an article we post. <clears throat> However, it's very tedious to go back and find the old articles to link to the new one. And that's, that's the game changer, I think. Now, right. um, I know some people out there are shaking their fists perhaps and saying, Hey, like I can pull this report somewhere else and do that stuff. Um, and again, like you said, I applaud that person that knows, uh, that they should do it and they have like the discipline and they're using like screaming frog or some other tool or, right. you know, th- there's a lot of them out there that will crawl your site, but t- they tend to be more technical in nature and you end up with a CSV, which, has, you know, 45 columns and it's kind of unusable and link whisper gives it to you right there. In fact, I recommended it to, um, two students of mine that picked it up and they, you know, they thanked me later. So awesome. I I didn't even give them an affiliate link. You know, I I like it that much. So (laughs) thank you. Um, But yeah, it, 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 it's super easily, like you said, if you're, if you're really technical, you can probably find tools and, and get spreadsheets and, and do it. This is a WordPress plugin you install. And that's it. Like you just go to the reports and it's done. Cool. And so people are probably thinking, wow, you're a Renaissance man. You can write, (laughs) you're building all these sites. You have the finance background and you're a coder, but you're not a coder, right? How how did you develop this thing? Yeah, I am not a coder. Uh, That's not my background at all. I wish I was a lot of times, but no, I've uh, outsourced all of that. I've hired um, mostly freelance developers um, to, to do that. Um, you know, so I'll, I'll go to like Upwork and, and post a job and, um, you know, pick a developer that I think is going to work well. And I manage that whole process. I come up with the ideas and the plan and they implement. Okay. Now, how do you deal with support? Cause uh, you know, getting the, the, the plugin in a proof of concept kind of way, you can test beta, you can, improve it. But over time, WordPress is always updating. There's all these other pesky plugins that are causing problems. So how do you deal with that in a freelance environment? Yeah. So support, uh, specifically for Link Whisper, I started doing a lot of the support myself plus, uh, like a VA. So we, we were both in there, but I wanted to be in there seeing all the bugs, um, you know, seeing all the questions, seeing all the issues that people were having and to respond a little bit quicker when I first launched it, call it for the first month, month and a half. Uh, and then by that time, my VA, my support person uh, was kind of up to speed. And, and now she's doing 
all of it. I'm I'm very rarely in doing the the tickets and the support at this point, only if there's something escalated or, or more important. So so I have been able to outsource the support as well. As long as you find somebody that's a little bit familiar with WordPress and really good at customer service, um, you can make it work. Gotcha. And you, you don't have to answer this, but can you share like how much it cost roughly, like the magnitude to develop yeah. the plugin? Oh, to develop the plugin? Um, I'll give you like a um, cost per hour, right? So I pay my developer like $45 an hour, right? And um, it took, let me let me give you like a month time frame. It took like four months to develop the the plugin. That'll that'll give people a maybe a rough range. Okay. Cool. Right. Th- thank you. For um that. it it's not an exact thing because they sometimes we're full time, sometimes we're, you know, skipped a week, you know, but that that gives people a range. Okay. Cool. Yeah, very, very interesting. And like I mean, you obviously like software. You've done a few of these. Like what is it with software that you enjoy so much? Um, one is I think I come up with good ideas. So I, you know, sort of pat myself on the back, you know, I, I, I tend, yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> I, right. I, no, I, I tend to be an idea guy. Um, you know, I write down lots of ideas and, uh, the ones that I really like, I want to see them come to fruition. Um, so that's one thing is I've just kind of got that creative bug. Uh, the other thing is I really like software, as opposed to, and we can compare this if you want, uh, another rabbit hole to like online courses, um, because software tools I know people are using, right? It's 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 a tool that they apply in their business, and they're definitely getting utility. They're getting use out of it, and so I like that. I'm creating something that I know people are using and benefiting from, and I, you know, online courses, and I have written about this as well. Uh, Something like 90% of people that buy an online course don't even go through the whole thing, right? So that's why I like software so much more than a lot of other things because they use it. They buy it. They use it. Very cool. Um, That totally makes sense. And I have a couple courses out there. So definitely understand (laughs) what you're saying. And actually, uh, you know, I asked for a few questions from my audience, a couple friends and stuff. And they were like, ah, is this just a marketing thing from Spencer that he's getting out of courses? So you're, you're good to go. You have some other stuff you want to do, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so people listening to the podcast are on YouTube. Like I just within the last month have stated very publicly that I am never going to sell another online course. So if you're hoping to buy an online course for me, sorry. Uh, you get all my information free on nichepursuits.com. <laughs> like, go read my blog, right? It's all free. Um, I really am getting out of selling courses. It is not a marketing tactic. I vacillated on this for years, honestly. And I finally just put my foot down and said, it's just not what I enjoy the most. I enjoy software more. Um, and I enjoy other things more like building websites, uh, more than I do selling courses. And so I finally, I put the, uh, put my foot down, not only publicly for other people, so they know, but also for me, I've drawn a very, uh, public line in the sand, uh, that if I were to ever go back on, I would look really, really, really bad. 
And so I've done that as a way to keep me from ever going back. Um, but it, no, it's not a marketing tactic. I'm done. The doors are closed now. So people can't even buy anything anyways, if they wanted to. So I like it. Before we move on, I totally lost my train of thought. So I knew it was going to be no me. worries. It's always me. <laughs> um, That's all right. I, I've done lots of podcasts and it's crazy. Like just the line of questioning or, you know, the answers that are given, just take things in a different direction. And, you know, that's okay. Yeah. I had a good one. I may leave it in for the podcast. People, people actually enjoy these, you know, they're in their car, they're not going to switch it anyway. So (laughs) they're forced to listen to us now. Well, you mentioned earlier that you have motion invest and you literally just launched it publicly. I think today as we're recording this, I did. what's, what's that all about? Yeah, so motioninvest.com is I'm a partner in that. One of the co-founders, there's there's two other people, John Gillum from Authority Website, income.com, and then um then Kelly is another one of the co-founders that isn't as public, people won't know. But so there's three of us running the business. Um we saw a gap in the marketplace for buying and selling smaller content websites. So if you're looking to buy a site, let's say making around $500 a month, there's really no place for you to go as far as a traditional brokerage. If you're to go to Empire Flippers or FEI International, a Quietlight Brokerage, you probably are not going to find a site listed making only $500 a month. It's too small for them, right? These guys are focused on selling million-dollar businesses. That's where they make money. They would love it if every site they sold was, you know, seven figures. That's just the reality. And so you're left with um, either going over to flippa.com, which there's, you know, lots of sites there um, making in that price range, perhaps. Uh, But I've heard tons of stories of people getting scammed. Uh, There's no verification of income. You know, Flippa isn't on there. Somebody doesn't verify that this is a legit site. Uh, Sellers go and self-serve. Sellers um, make their own listings, uh, create that. And so unfortunately, it does become a little bit of a wild west. You might buy a great great site, but you might not. You might just totally get, get scammed. And so Motion Invest, we're hoping to fill that gap. Uh, we are selling sites making between $50 and $2,000 a month. And we have pre-vetted all of these sites. And in fact, we are not a brokerage. Uh, we actually own all of the sites that we are selling. Uh, so we've vetted it enough to feel comfortable actually buying the site. And so once we've purchased the site, you know, we then list it. Uh, and so hopefully that gives people a little bit of confidence knowing two things. One, they know that we've at least pre-vetted that site. We've verified the traffic, where it's coming from, the, the links, um, the income, and we provide all the screenshots and everything there. Um, but two, they know who they're buying it from. They're buying it from us. They're not going to be dealing with other sellers. You know, if you want to get a call and actually talk to somebody about, the site, the owner of the site, we are the owner of the site. And so you can call and talk to us. Um, so that's the gap that we're meeting. That's what literally just today uh, we just launched. Uh, and so we're really excited about it. We've gotten um, some early positive feedback already. Very cool. And I 
I hear from quite a few people who are in that range exactly with their sites and they, they don't have anywhere to go. They try and get me to buy it. And I expect that's probably what happened to you and John. <laughs> I was chatting with him a couple of weeks ago. So I imagine that's exactly what happened and how you, you were like, you know what? We can help everyone out. Cause it's interesting. You know, you've known, uh, you know, Empire Flippers for a long time, right? And they started downstream and they've slowly gone upstream as the market has grown. So there's this big gap. I mean, it's still a lot of money for most people um, on yep. those sites. Have you, um, I guess like, if I can ask, I imagine the, the business model is you're able to, you know, buy a little bit cheaper and then maybe add a little value uh, somehow or another. There's a lot of ways to do that. And then you're able to mark it up enough where it makes sense for you guys to do this whole thing, right? Yeah. Yep. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you insight into the business model here. No problem. Um, and I should uh, clarify, you just mentioned it, that we are buying sites. So if you have a site to sell, uh, we want to buy it. Um, you know, we're, we're looking to buy sites that are, you know, in that range, content, affiliate, niche websites, the things that Doug and I talk about all the time. Um, that's, that's what we're looking to buy. And so, um, that is how we make our money. We hope to buy low and sell high, you know, um, that's basically it. And because we're not a brokerage, we are not charging a brokerage fee. So if you're a seller, um, I think you're actually going to get pretty close to the same amount if you were to try to sell it uh, other places. And in some cases, maybe even more um, because we're not going to take that 15% cut, right? We're just going to give you an offer. Um, the other great thing is we're all cash buyers. Um, if you've got a site to sell, uh, you don't have to talk to 20 other potential buyers. You talk to us, we'll make you an offer within 48 hours. We can close and have you wired money. Like it's, it's easy. Um, so, uh, yeah, to, to clarify the business model, that's, that's essentially what it is. You know, we're hoping to buy it, you know, a little bit less than we sell it for. Um, and then on top of that, uh, we do have some upsells, uh, for people. So if they don't want it, they don't have to have the upsells. Um, but we can give you some additional coaching, additional, um, you know, growth plans, uh, for the site. Uh, that sort of thing. So, so we do have that available uh, as well as sort of profit maximizers uh, for our business model. Very cool. And what the what was the price range, or not the price range, but the earnings range that you're working with? Yeah. So, f about fifty dollars per month on the low end, up to two thousand dollars per month on the high end is the range of what we're looking to buy and sell. Okay. And then, just curious, like. Are there any areas of the business model that you're most nervous about where you're, you just don't know maybe if that's going to work out? Uh, yeah, and uh, a little bit, and I think we've fixed at least one of these, but maybe there's another one we can talk about is, um, you know, we kind of launched this privately about a week ago. We had about five sites, and we had sort of priced in the upsells, the, the coaching, the growth plan, like that was required to buy it. Uh, so people looked at the multiple and they're like, this is like a 50 X multiple. Right. Um, and they're like, you're way overpriced. And they didn't fully understand, you know, that part of that is because we're, you know, we've got this growth plan. We're going to do calls with you, other things. And so we, we tweaked our business model there because that made us nervous. We got enough feedback on that to say, okay, people are used to paying, you know, about three X 
annual earnings on the high end. So we're going to we're going to show them that multiple and then we're going to give them the opportunity but not require them to buy, you know, an upsell if they want that. So that we fix that um in the first week. The other thing that's a little bit different about the business model is um we charge a subscription fee if you want to view the sites. So places like Empire Flippers they charge a deposit uh for each site that you want to see. Um we figured, you know what? Let's let people see every single site for just one fee. Um, so it is a fee, not a refundable deposit, but it's small enough. It's $25 a month. Um, and so if people, you know, are willing to spend 25 bucks, they can see every single site that we have listed and they just st- stick around, you know, maybe for a couple of months till they find the site they want, they can cancel and, and that's it. So that's something that maybe I'm, um, a little bit um, unsure of, you know, how it will be received just because it's a little bit different. Um, early feedback is I think people are going to be fine with it, uh, but we'll see how that that subscription fee uh, turns out for the business model. Very cool. And I think I think that totally makes sense if someone's going to spend several thousand dollars. It sort of gets the jokers out of there, you know, people right. that are willing to look at the site so they could figure out what they want. And then, you know, 25 bucks a month, I imagine you wouldn't have to keep that going forever. And people can opt out. Absolutely. Whenever they want. They can cancel whenever they want. Yeah. And, and right. So you can, if you like what you see, um, I, I do expect, and I've actually heard back from a few people that are going to be like, um, multiple time buyers, Right. They're looking for lots of sites to buy. And so they plan on sticking around and subscribers are going to get, you know, early access to all the listings. We'll sort of email it out to our subscribers and then and then we'll publicly list it after that. And so some people are going to stick around every month. They're happy to pay twenty five bucks to get early access to some great sites. Okay, And a couple sort of rapid fire questions. Affiliate (laughs) affiliates. uh and marketers, actually, it's, it's just us marketers. So, authority site versus niche site. How, how do you define those, or do you kind of stay out of it? Um, I stay out of it. They're the same thing to me. Okay. They, I, you know, yeah. I. It's a branding thing, is usually what I say. And like, like Authority Hacker, our our friends over at Authority Hacker, doing great stuff. They have authority in their name. I have niche site literally in my domain name, so I kind of stick with that vocabulary and it doesn't really matter in my opinion. So it doesn't really matter. I mean, a niche site could be a million pages, uh, just like an authority site could. It doesn't, doesn't mean that you own a, anyways, you know, it it doesn't mean you own a 10 page site and it just means you're focused on a particular niche, whether that's, you know, backpacking or plants, like I see in your background there or backyard, right? It just means you're, you're focused on a niche. Yep. Okay. And then, as far as link building and content, do you view one as a little more important than another? Or like when you're investing in, in a site, whether it's a brand new one or an existing one, how do you like split your resources, whether it's time or capital or whatever? Yeah, I'm a content guy. Content's always been more important. Keyword research and content um, has always gotten me a lot further than link building. Um, and so I put 90% plus of my time, um, doing keyword research and focusing on content, you know, 
probably way less than 10% is on link building. Gotcha. All right. And do you have any tips for people that are either just getting started or they're thinking of getting into um, like affiliate marketing and making money online in general? Um, you know, one is I would try to learn as much as you can reading resources like your blog, my blog, um, other places. But then once you've got, and when I say learning, don't, don't spend six months or a year, um, spend a few weeks, right. Or a couple of months, maybe, uh, learning what you can and then jump in and get your feet wet. Um, whether that's just building a new site or maybe, you know, go buy a site that's making a very little minute, a uh, little bit of money. Uh, that's where you're going to learn. That's where you're going to start to make the ideas gel in your mind. Um, you need to make mistakes before you're going to have the successes. So I would just start sooner than later. Excellent. Very good. Well, I'll link up all the stuff we talked about. Um, people should follow you over on Niche Pursuits, right? Absolutely. Yep. NichePursuits.com. That's the best place to follow along with what I'm doing. All right. Your email list is great. So if people have not signed up, definitely sign up for the email list. Check out some of the recent stuff on Niche Site Project 4. And um, thanks, Spencer. It's a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you, Doug. It's been great to uh, connect over the years, finally come on the uh, show. We've known each other for a long time. So I appreciate it, man. Hopefully uh, your audience enjoys the interview. Thank you. Thanks again to Spencer Hawes from Niche Pursuits and do check out his site. Check out some of the links in the description and, you know, send him an email. Let him know. Thanks again to Spencer. Thanks again to Spencer Hawes of Niche Pursuits. And if you haven't checked out Niche Pursuits before, there's a ton of stuff to uh, catch up on. I encourage you to check it out. He also has a podcast, which I've listened to probably hundreds of hours. And I this is one of the podcasts that I used to listen to over and over again. So I don't know. I guess I was just a little obsessed with all this internet marketing stuff. Turns out it paid off. But um, yeah, there's a ton of great information over on the Niche Pursuits podcast as well. So I'm going to talk about the keyword golden ratio a little bit. And if you're unfamiliar with the keyword golden ratio, it's a data-driven way to find keywords that are generally underserved on the internet. Use an advanced Google search called All in Title, and I'll put a link in the description as well. It's a little hard to uh, explain just in audio, but essentially you take the number of All in Title results divided by the local monthly search volume, so the, the search volume, and you get some value. You want that value to be under 0.25. So if that ratio is under 0.25, then you're in good shape. Usually you're able to rank almost immediately. Uh, depends on the age of your site and the general competition and all that stuff, which is part of the questions that we're going to get into. But generally, competition's super low. This is a manual process. So the information that you can get by doing this manual process is not readily available. Where, you know, if you use a general keyword research tool, there's tons of them out there. Basically, everyone can get that same information that you're able to get. 
And the one caveat is the local monthly search volume needs to be under 250. So right off the bat, you're limiting the number of sort of competitors out there. Generally, people are greedy and they're going after higher volume search terms. So if you're going for anything under 250, there's a lot you know, fewer people looking for those keywords. There's a lot fewer people actually competing for those keywords. So it puts you in a good spot. And this is super valuable for sites that are just getting started because you're able to get traffic a little bit more quickly, get a little traction on Google. Because I mean, the fact is right now in you know the end of 2019 or when I am recording this, it takes a little while to rank. It takes, um, you know, six months to work your way out of the sandbox and it, it, it just takes longer than it used to. So the keyword golden ratio is kind of a way to get quick wins early, which is very important for the beginners out there. Or, you know, the other side of the coin is people with bigger sites or maybe they're established and things have been stagnant. They've been struggling to grow um, and get more traffic. If you use the keyword golden ratio, then a lot of times you're able to sort of publish content, get traffic right away, start ranking, and then sort of revitalize your organic traffic and and boost that up a little bit. So with that said, I'm going to go over uh, about three questions here. So first one is is about uh, zero search volume and when that's okay to go for. The other one, uh, or one of the other questions is about bigger sites and what to do if you see like, quote, authority sites out there. And then the other one is around link building for keyword golden ratio content. All right. So the first one is around zero search volume. That's kind of a a funny area anyway. And I'll give you some tips. Um, Number one, you probably realized for the mathematicians out there, um, if you have a search volume of zero, and if you go back to the formula that I just mentioned for the KGR, you realize that you're dividing by zero and that is undefined. You, you shouldn't divide by zero. So you end up with an undefined equation and a lot of people are like, well, what do I do then? Generally, here's my advice. If it is a Google auto suggest, um, which means, you know, you're up in the, the Google search bar, the, f- that field where you type stuff in and you're you're typing something in and then Google is automatically suggesting hence auto suggest they're automatically suggesting something for you then you're able to uh, like see those you know the list of other keywords that are likely um, you know what other people search for like Google knows what other people are searching for so they're suggesting it to you that said if you have a zero search volume term and it's an auto suggest, I would say go for it. Google is telling you that people are searching for it even though the search volume is zero, which we'll come back to the the whole search volume thing in a second as well. This could be a long answer to a short question. Um, Another time that I would suggest that you go for it is if you find a search phrase, a keyword phrase, in the related searches. Those are normally at the bottom of the search engine results page or SERP, you may hear it called. Um, So if it's a related search, then again, Google is telling you people are searching for this, go ahead and go for it. And I actually have a blog post written by um, Evan Porter 
over on niche site project about like zero search volume terms and when it's a you know good time to go for them and when maybe you should pass on zero search volume terms. So the big caveat, I'll put a link in the description for that. The big caveat on the search volume is like, especially with zero, you can go for it. You know, the, the cost of a piece of content is either your time or some amount of money, but it's, it's generally small. So I encourage you to try it, especially if it's a, you know, a useful piece of information that you know um, would fit on your site and, um, you know, it's an auto suggest or whatever. So, and, and there are some rare cases where it's like, it's not an auto suggest, it's not a related search, but you know that it's useful information, go ahead and publish it. The cost of entry on that is pretty low. So just go for it. Worst case scenario, it doesn't work, but you have a data point for yourself on your own site for a very specific, um, you know, set of criteria, which is, you know, the specifics for your site. Um, The thing that you shouldn't do is have like the majority of your keywords or the majority of your content targeting zero search volume terms. If you do that, then it's probably going to be an uphill battle. Now, low volume search terms, that's great. You know, 10, 20 searches per month, go for it. I mean, there's a sign um, that people are searching for it and it's more than zero. Now, one of the big things that people challenge me on, I guess this is like a sub question or a related question to this. I'm basing this whole keyword golden ratio formula on the search volume as reported by tools. And if you've been looking at, uh, you know, search volumes, you've been looking at keyword research tools, you probably realize and you see that if you check the same phrase on different tools, you'll get different values. So how can I possibly say that you should, you know, follow this stringent formula if the numbers are different when you check different tools or you check a different day and all that stuff? The reason why is number one, the formula for the keyword golden ratio is very aggressive. It's very aggressive. So it sort of takes into account a lot of the uncertainty in the keyword research tools. And let's dig deeper into the keyword research tools. They're all estimates of the search volume. Not even Google knows how many people are searching for like every specific term. I don't think. I don't work in Google or anything like that. But the the point is, even on the Google tools, it's an estimate, right? They're giving you information based on historical data. And every single tool, every single keyword research tool is using some algorithm to figure it out. And basically, like when you just think about it in a very simple way, there's probably a ton of factors that go into it. But in a very simple way, the search volume varies like month over month. So if you think about like seasonal terms, like maybe Christmas decorations or Halloween decorations or something like that, more people are searching during certain times of the year. So if you use an average um, of the search volumes per month, hopefully stick with me on this, hopefully you'll be able to get the point I'm trying to make. If you use a average over the course of 12 months versus six months versus say 24 months, you'll end up with a very different search volume estimate from different tools. So which one's more accurate? 
Who knows? It depends on when you're checking, depends on the tool and the input data that they are using. But what it does tell you is like one, if you use a tool, right? I, I don't care what tool you use, by the way, use whatever tool you want. Stick to the same tool though. So in a relative sense, you generally know like keyword A gets more or less searches than keyword B. So you have like a relative sense of like, is this a good keyword? Is it a bad keyword? A lot of the tools are pretty darn close to like matching each other. But every now and then you'll run across a tool that's sort of an outlier. And I'm not, I mean, I don't know the algorithms. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. I just use a tool and then stick with the tool. I test different ones every now and then, but never for search volume, right? I may take a look and see how it compares to the one that I'm used to, but With that said, keep in mind, any of these search volumes that you get from any tool, they're merely an estimate. And I created the keyword golden ratio to have sort of a simple way, um, an aggressive formula to have a simple way where you can just get like a number that helps you understand like, is there a lot of competition for this term or not? So if you find a few of these terms, and this is question, uh, I guess, two at this point, um, People will find a KGR term, it's it's keyword golden ratio compliant, and then they'll Google the term without the all-entitled advanced search. They see many big sites, they see very competitive sites out there, and they're thinking, hey, I maybe won't be able to rank for it. Is this really going to work, Doug? Or are you a liar? Or or whatever. You know, people are people are very hurtful out there. And I have feelings, but you know, I try and I try and just move on. But the point here, the point here is that, yes, there could be some big competition out there and there's a lot of things that you need to look at. N- number one, it's great if you you know find a KGR compliant term and then you Google the term to see what's out there. You should do that. Pay attention to, to what you see in the results. One of the key things that you should check out is whether or not that uh, the set of results or the highly competitive sites that you're worried about, are they actually addressing the question or problem that the searcher has? So it's all about like searcher intent and what they're really looking for. One of the great things with the keyword golden ratio is it's, I mean, this is ultra long tail. It's so specific that like Someone searching for, I'm going to try and come up uh, with some example. What's the best lighting for live streams on my laptop? So it's very specific. So it's not just what's the best lighting. It's what's the best lighting for live streams and then on my laptop. So it's really getting narrow. The, the number of people searching for it is obviously low and they're looking for something really specific. And if it's really specific, then you potentially, even with a brand new site, you may be able to deliver the information that the person needs more so than the wire cutter, for example, because maybe the wire cutter has a great article on, you know, high end lighting systems for, you know, professional videographers or something like that, but I'm on my laptop doing a live stream. So I probably want it to be sort of small power considerations or, or, you know, important to me and a lot of little details like that. 
that was just an arbitrary example because I have a, you know, a light right in front of me. I'm not very original. I can only think about stuff that's right in front of my face right now. So the whole point is, and I'll sort of summarize here, if you can serve the searcher better than the bigger, um, more authoritative sites, then you have a really good chance at helping that searcher, right? That's what Google wants to do. Someone's trying to figure out some problem. They're trying to uh, get a solution to their problem. And if you can help them get that solution more specifically than a bigger site, then you can go for it. And that's the beauty of it. The long tail goes on forever. I mean, people are searching for really, really weird stuff out there. So you, you may be able to find a way to make that work for you. Okay, last question here is around link building and the keyword golden ratio. So one of the, I don't know, either smart or stupid <laughs> like marketing things that I did with the branding around the keyword golden ratio was generally you don't need to build links and you'll probably be able to rank somewhere in the top 30 or 20 or so without any backlinks in a general sense. Most of the time it'll work out okay. By the way, if you just find one KGR term and you just publish one piece of content, it may or may not work. If you just do two, it may or may not work. It's kind of a volume play. I recommend at least you know 20. If you could publish 20 pieces of content, that'll give you um, more opportunities to you know test out the system. And generally, you'll end up with about half of them are going to rank pretty well, kind of what you expected. One or two are going to be total flops and a few of them are going to exceed your expectations on average. So there's something like a, you know, a a 10% failure rate, something like that. And then there's like, you know, two to 5% where really exceed your expectations. And those are, it's all anecdotal, um, my sites have published, you know, hundreds of pieces of content like this, maybe over a thousand at this point. And then, you know, I talk to a lot of people who are using it. I get emails all the time about people that, you know, they publish quite a few of them and then they see some traction. So do you actually need to build links? The answer is no, you don't have to build links just like any website. You don't have to build links, but if you do, usually, you know, all else being equal, the links are going to be helpful. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, crappy links from Fiverr or, you know, Web 2.0 links or any kind of gray hat stuff like that. Um, but if you if you can get, you know, a legit guest post on a relevant kind of site or at least a blog post is relevant to the topic that you're sending the link to, then the link is probably going to help out. I mean, no one to my knowledge, right? Uh, Very few people are saying anything about like, you know, links don't help. I think most people agree that links are indeed helpful. Um, There are some people who say like, don't build links, like don't do anything to build links um, because, you know, I don't know. I don't know why they say that. Don't don't do anything to build links. But and, and I respect their approach, you know, if they want to do that. But generally all else being equal, if you end up with a site, similar content, similar keywords, uh, similar quality, all that stuff. One has links and the other one doesn't have links. Then the one with links is probably going to rank better and get more traffic um, in the long run. So with that said, 
Thanks for listening. I appreciate it a lot. If you're brand new to the podcast, thanks for hanging in for this long. Have a look at some of the other episodes. I do um, a lot of success stories. Um, There's a couple of super popular ones. Look these up. Um, There's one with Evan Porter, who I mentioned earlier, one with uh, Marty McLeod. Christy is crushing it right now. She has a site that's about a year old and she just crossed over $1,500 per month. Um, So really awesome interviews and everyone has a little bit of a different approach and things that they're good at and just their observations. So anyway, if you, if you dig those kind of success story interviews, look them up. If you like the interviews in general, please subscribe to the podcast and you, you can actually shoot me an email feedback at Doug show. And then you can leave me a voicemail also. So there's a phone number in the description. It's not my actual like phone that's in my pocket right now, but um, you can leave a voicemail and I don't get that many voicemails. I'll be honest with you. Not that many people leave voicemails. So if you do, there's like a almost 100% chance that you will be on the show. So thanks a lot. Everybody have a good day and uh, we'll catch you on the next one.